is a great joy and honor for, be, for us to be here in Rogers again. I believe this is our third time being here. You know, being a guest speaker, you're always thankful when a church invites you the second time. And now this is the third time being here. So uh, we are really grateful for the relationship um, that uh, we have uh, with the church here. Thank you for having embraced us and for your monthly support and for your prayers and, and all the, the, the love that we get from here. And uh, we, um, we just uh, came from Arizona Last weekend, we were ministering a full weekend like this in Arizona, in Eager, Arizona. If anybody is familiar with that place, that's quite far out, I must say, in Arizona. And um, um, we had a, a wonderful weekend there with, uh, uh, there's like eight or nine churches in that little town there. And uh, for the first time ever in the history of that town, all the churches were uh, going to get joining together uh, to to do this event together. So it was. Uh, I felt we had a little tiny uh, share in a, in something new uh, that weekend there. So we enjoyed it greatly. And you know, it's on the countryside, and so of course there is um, um, cowboys in a church like that. And um, we have been there four times. Um, and every time uh, there's a great family there that uh, invited us, say, why don't you stay one day extra? We'll take you to the ranch. You'll help us uh, do the cowboy stuff there. And, uh, and this time we were invited again. I said, let's do it. So it's actually a miracle. I'm still here, you know. Um, because we had a great day, and we thought it was kind of just, you know, they invited Lisbeth and I to go there and spend the day there. But it turned out that they made it not only a church event, but they spread it all over the state of Arizona. That come and join us. So people was coming from everywhere to see the Danish evangelist falling off the horse, you know. But he did not fall off of the horse. And it was just a great experiencing, you know, herding the cattle and brand marking and earmarking and what's worse, you know. And um, um, had great barbecue and uh, just a, a great time together. So, um, um, but to be honest, we are also thankful that we made it to the, through the day. Uh, because when you know, when you're in, in a new field for you, you know. It's like you have all kinds of thoughts, you know, bothering your mind. What if you fall off the horse? What if the horse kicks us, you know? What if, we, you know, the cattle is, you know, and all of this, you know? So, um, um, so um, it all went well, though. Anyway, we, how many of you is the first time that somehow you see me here? Anybody? All right. Well, it's good to see you. We have uh, some, um, some material with us, and um, um, we have a little brochure. We are a, a couple living in Denmark. We have been pastoring in Denmark for 12 years in total. Then we have lived a season in, in East Africa. And then in year 2004, we started a missions organization called Gospel Outreach, which has the purpose of going... Um, around the world, but 
have a major focus on nations that has never had the, embraced the gospel or have had the opportunity to receive the gospel. So we go to a lot of interesting places, I'll tell you. Many of them is Muslim nations and communities and, and areas where there's great needs and a lot of, a lot of um, darkness taking place. That's where we feel we are going to uh, reach out with the gospel in, uh, in big citywide crusades. And since we go places like that, we in the morning try to gather those Christian leaders um, that might be in the region to gather them and give them uh, teaching and inspire them in the mornings. And then we have four nights of uh, preaching the simple gospel message. And it is as simple as it is. It is about God is love. We are sinners. Jesus is the only Savior. Heaven, hell, you know, the plain gospel message from four different angles. Uh, but that's what we preach every night. And then we have people responding. And, um, and we have, in, by the grace of God, seen hundreds of thousands of people responding uh, to the gospel. And then we encourage and we we have the the vision that new churches should be started since we are in areas with not that many new churches we um we make sure that new churches is being started they are not gospel outreach ministries churches it is not us who have the 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 apostolic uh, uh, overseeing ministry afterwards because it's in places where we don't know the language or the culture and all the challenges. So it is local ministries that's taking those churches. But we see ourselves like when you guys were sending out space shuttles, you know, they had these two lift rockets, I think you call it, you know. And um, those two rockets was what made the space shuttle to get into orbit, you know. And we see ourselves when it comes to church planting, like we are these um, lift rockets that can make it happen. And so those churches get in orbit, you know, and get started. So, um, so that is what we do. And we have for 15 years now seen on an average one new church started every three weeks. For 15 years, you know, every three weeks, you know, a new church is being started somewhere. And I know some of them is maybe 20 or 30 people, but others is beyond a thousand people attending. Often in places where there were not any believers at all. So that is uh, something we are really thankful for. Now, we have some material in the lobby. Uh, about this ministry and if you would like to connect with us or know more about us we, we would like to give it into your hand right now so if you would like a brochure and a sample of our newsletter would you just lift your hand right now and we will make sure that somebody will give it to you and in if you would like to to um, um, stay connected with us uh, you can on the back slip here or at the table in the lobby, come and meet with us and, and sign up to receive the newsletter, okay? And in that way, you will have um, reports coming. We send out nine, ten reports every year, and uh, you can choose either by paper or by, by email. And we, our ministry 
um, policy is that we will not be flooding people with emails and information, um, but just um, give an, an update every now and then. And it's really encouraging what God is doing around the world. Also on the table, there's a book I wrote a few years ago, and it's about um, igniting for missions. It's an update of what God is doing around the world in these years. Do you know we live in the most exciting times in the history of the church ever? Sometimes people say to me, oh, we wished it was like in the book of Acts. And I say, I don't, because we are far beyond that point now. Never in the history has so many churches been planted and so many people received the Lord as in these years. And I do know that in the, in the Western world, uh, um, Europe and, and maybe also in America, we, we can in these times feel a bit challenged on Christianity. But when you see from a global perspective, it is, I mean, nations are embracing the gospel in these years. So that's very powerful. So you can read more about this in the book. It's $15. We have a special offer. This weekend, two books will be $30, okay? And... And also, uh, Lisbeth has some products out there that I think will have maybe special interest for you ladies. So come and visit us after the service in the lobby. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. Help me. I ask you to make it alive and inspire. Build up our faith, Lord Jesus. Come and touch us. Transform us this weekend. We also ask you that you'll confirm your word with healings and miracles, with signs and wonders. You're the resurrected one, the almighty one. We're longing to be together with you, to hear from you, and be touched by you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Good Friday. What a day. Let's open our Bibles in Isaiah chapter 53. And we're not going to read the entire chapter. But you know, even people who is not believing in God, when they read this passage, this chapter, and you ask them, so, so who do you think this was a prophecy about? They all say Jesus. That's very interesting. Can you imagine a prophecy given and and it is so detailed. It's so it's like almost like an a New Testament um, writing about what Jesus was doing on that cross. Just amazing how he was not only crucified, but how he was um, rejected, how he was um, whipped, and by his stripes that we are healed. There's so many amazing, amazing prophetic words in this one chapter. But I would like to pick one, one verse tonight and share it from there. Because tonight we're going to take a look at the worldwide perspective of what Jesus did on that cross. 
And it says in Isaiah 53, verse 11, it says, He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. In one translation, it says like this, And he saw that it was worth it all. All the suffering, all the torment, all that was going on on that cross, that was not a coincidence or something that was, you know, not planned. It was all planned in details. Even before the foundation of the world, even before God created the universe, when God decided to, to make, the, make the planet earth and create it all, even before then, he has asked his son, you know, I'm going to create mankind and one day they will fail. But I love them so much, so I'm going to give them, you know, all the chances. But I do know that one day they will make a mistake. And from then on, I will be in need of one who is willing to come and redeem them back to me. Are you, my son, willing to do so when that time has come? And I can just imagine how Jesus is saying, yes, Father, I will. I will. And we know the story how Adam and Eve were, were created and how the whole planet were created. Thanks God that we are living with a, with a divine purpose over our lives. We are not developed monkeys or an animal of a special kind. We are made in the image of God. And then the day came where, where Adam and Eve they did fall in sin. And we still see the consequence of all of that in the world today. But then the, at the appointed time, this chapter was to take place where Jesus was sent. Not only as the Son of God to start to prove that we should have a right image of how is God really like. It says in John 1.18 that no one has seen God. The only begotten one who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. It actually means that word declare is exegeomai. I don't know if it's pronounced right, either in Greek or in English here. But that's a Greek word, and it really means to declare out loudly. Or, or another word is the word to, to as he has come to become his interpreter. The interpreter from God. Of how God truly is like. How is he? How is God? You know, in Denmark we speak Danish. The heavenly language of Danish. We're going to speak Danish in heaven if you don't know. You knew that, didn't you? We're going to speak Danish in heaven. You know, the, the Latin American community, they believe that. That it is Spanish, but it's not right. The reason they believe it's Spanish, the reason they believe it's Spanish is that they said, you know, there was this, this guy knocking on the gate to heaven, and then he heard in from, from, from the throne of God, God said, Que pasa? But that's not true. It is Danish we are going to speak in heaven. Do you know why? 
takes an eternity to learn it. That's why. <laughs> you see, I could have come here tonight and I could start to say all these truths that I'm going to share tonight. I could have said it all in Danish, which actually could have been so much easier for me. But I do hope you understand my English. You do? You know, I could have said and told it all in Danish, and it could have been true. Every single word. I could have made the most amazing uh, illustrations and made all the incredible parables and, and testimonies and all the things all in Danish. But you will all leave here and say, well, we did not really benefit anything from this. And that's how many people have, has, has it but also had it about God. Especially, you know, I've heard people say, you know, when we read in the Old Testament, you know, it seems like God was really upset. As one said, you know, the Old Testament is before God became a Christian, you know. Well, this may be more detailed than that, okay? But you see, it was because that God wanted us to see and know Him exactly as he, he, he is, that He sent His only begotten Son, God Himself, coming in the flesh, because God truly wants to have us all to have the right image of Him. That's why as we read about the life of Christ, any deed He did, you can, you can read from that that that's exactly how God is and how He's thinking. Anything Jesus shared, you can truly believe that this is how God is thinking about us. So when he received the sinners and he cleansed them, that's how God sees you and wants to receive you. So when he was healing people, that is his thought of healing. And there's not one example of Jesus making somebody sick. When we see and we read how Jesus was cleansing the lepers and how he was setting the captives free and casting out demons and all of that, that is truly how he wants it all, uh, us all to have that image, that true image of God in heaven. And then the cross came where all of this was really made into eternal effectiveness. This is how God was, was going to say, okay, now you have seen it. Now it's going to be multiplied that you'll all have been able to have my spirit in your life, being cleansed by the blood, and have eternal life for it. And then we know how Jesus, he was resurrected and how he gave us a commandment that, that this was God's world mission, but after the resurrection, it became the church's world mission. And I don't know if you can imagine how much Jesus was suffering on that cross. I don't think any of us can ever imagine it. I like at least once a year, I like to watch the movie The Passion, made by Mel Gibson. And man, I think, you know, I was watching it in the movie. We bought a whole movie uh, uh, theater for, for one, um, one, one show uh, when it came out uh, many years ago. And you could tell when people were leaving, you could hear a pin drop. I don't think any of us really can understand ever how much Jesus was suffering. Not only physically, 
But what was for him, I believe, was even worse. To be so inflicted with all the sins of the entire world right there. I think every person, when we invest something, when we take the chance and we do something, it's a matter of so was it worth it? Was it worth it? And as Isaiah, in this prophecy, he was saying, in verse 11, as we just did read, he said, He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. I know that Jesus would have done it if just one person received him as Savior. I know it. But God loves people. And I'm sure Jesus Christ, as he now, you know, for 2,000 years has kept count to see was it worth it that I went through all of that. I think he's very satisfied. Do you realize that the great commission that you and I we have been given is to bring that great gospel to this world, to all the corners of this world. And by the way, it is going very well. They say in China, the 80s nation of China they say, and by the way, the persecutions in China is picking up quite a lot. And has done for this past year a lot. We were there about a year ago. And it was like the, the, the last minute we could come in and we could teach church planters there in China in a secret place and, and all of that. Okay, We also do a lot of stuff like that. But we don't put it on the program all the time. And right after there... Uh, the president started to really persecute, especially the church. I know he's saying that it is, it is in order to, to get you know, um, um, rid of um, corruption and so, but that's just a hide, you know. What it's all about is to kind of trying to wipe up all Christianity. But they say in China that if the revival will continue as now, then by year 2030, 30% of the population in China will be born again Christians. It will population-wise be the most Christian, the nation, the one nation with the most Christians living in there. And you maybe can imagine people receiving Jesus under such conditions. They're very aware of what they're doing. It's not just because it's convenient and it's kind of the trend, you know. Ah, oh, it's a trend to be a Christian now. Not at all. I believe this was what Jesus was saying when he said that it was worth it all. In Africa where we are working, there's so many churches being planted that you can't imagine. I know in, in a nation like Nigeria, there's, there's especially one church there that has built a church building that I, I was told recently is even too small now. That church building is one mile wide and one mile deep. 
That's a building, my friends. They say when they do conferences, they need 40,000 ushers. Wow. Starting from scratch, just not many years ago. Pastor Oyedebo is his name. And there's many churches in Nigeria that has 25, 50, 100,000 people. And it is marching forth. The gospel is marching forth. One of the nations God has asked us to start to take focus and make, make an effort to reach is the West African nation of Benin. In Benin is where the voodoo witchcraft originated from. Many think it's voodoo. Oh, that's Haiti, isn't it? No, yes, it is. But it came from Benin. I've actually had a crusade right there on that city, on that town where voodoo did origin. It was the most crazy crusade I've ever had in my life. If you can imagine how, how the, 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 the oppression and, uh, and so on. I was a half year before we were going there. I started to feel there's something, there's something going on here. Nobody had ever told me what kind of city we were going to. Uh, and actually what kind of nation we were going to. I was just in an airport and I got a phone call from a guy from Benin in West Africa. And he said, we have heard about your crusades. Will you please come and help us? And I just felt it was right. So I said, right away, I will come. Usually I never do things like that. You know, I want to make check up and who is these people and all of that. But I just felt it was right. And now, you know, I felt for six months how, how there was a lot of pressure going on. And I said to my staff, we need to be fasting and praying more. Because there's something going on in Benin before we are coming. And just three weeks before the crusade. And if you can imagine a setup like those we are, we are doing, it takes a lot of time to make all the preparations. So three weeks before we were going there, I got a phone call from my man. His name is Nazir in Benin. And he said, you know, all our permissions ha has been canceled by the government. We don't have a, a, a permission to rent the stadium. We don't have the permission to preach in that city. We have, don't have this or that. So what are we going to do? And I said, you tell me instead of. I said, well, last night... A bunch of pastors from a city called Weeda James just came and knocked on my door. And they said, we have heard about the cancellation. Would you consider, please, to come to our town, Weeda and do the crusade? So what do you think, he said. And I said, you know, to me it was just another name of another city. So I said, sure. If you are fine with it, let's go. The only thing was that Nazir, my friend there, he just forgot to tell me about this city. This was where the voodoo, called the cradle of voodoo, where voodoo did origin. And the second thing was that 20 years before, exactly on the same stadium as we should do the crusades, on the same dates, exactly 20 years earlier, this was where the president of Benin he was proclaiming that voodoo should be the national religion and that this nation should worship the devil. When I came, I said, how come you have not put up any posters? And they say they pull them down quicker than we can put them up. We were picked up really late that first night. That is not unusual in Africa, but it was really late, late. 
And when we finally were picked up to go to the first crusade night, you know, he said, you know, it has been a rough day, he said. The mayor called me and asked me to come to, his, um, to the city hall because all the voodoo priests were there gathered. And they were yelling and they were screaming and they were calling curses. And they said, you must cancel this Christian gospel crusade. Because the last three weeks, now when we, did we change the date for going to that new city? Three weeks before. The voodoo priest said, the last three weeks, we had not been able to get in contact with our spirits. You know, traveling, doing what we are doing, you learn a lot. And I'll tell you one thing, just the fact that you as a church is saying, oh, we're going to make outreach. Oh, we're going to do this or do that. That is causing things to start to move in the spiritual realm. Are you here? Because it's a spiritual reality we are moving in. Three weeks before. And praise God, Nasir, he convinced the mayor, you know, he should not cancel. And actually the mayor came the first night. And the mayor was the first person to raise his hand to receive Jesus as his Savior. Praise God. We had just an outstanding crusade. When we were preaching for people, it looked like God was standing with his machine gun in heaven and shooting over the crowd, you know. People were just falling, slain in the spirit everywhere. As soon as you started to say, in the name of Jesus, it looked like a tornado was passing through that crowd, the deliverance, and we have a special area for deliverance for those who are demon-possessed. If you've never seen stuff like that, you know, it's just as you read about in the gospel. Screaming, yelling, acting like animals and all of that. And, you know, it was a heavy place for stuff like that. And, you know, during the altar call, Everybody was so busy bringing people over to the deliverance stand. Even the police and the firefighters that was there paid officially to be there, you know. They were running, bringing people over to the deliverance tent. As soon as we said, in the name of Jesus, I tell you, things started to happen. And it's like that every time in Benin. There's always a lot of opposition. We just came back recently for our seventh crusade there. There's always a lot of opposition. This last crusade we had there, it was in the city of Kove. Now that city has, of course, a lot of voodoo priests, but there's also a sect of a woman that claims herself to be God. And we kind of think, come on. Okay. The fact is just that thousands and thousands and thousands of people, even from, you know, other nations, is coming to her place to worship her as God. She had made her own pope, her own priesthood, everything like that. And they all, you know, proclaim that you are God coming to this earth. You know, that's how far out people can come in the longing and hunger for God. So of course, this lady God, woman God, female God, I don't know what to call her, she was not too excited that we were coming to preach about the living God and the voodoo priest either, you know. So when the, the crew who was coming to set up the platform, the entire gear, then they showed them, these are just 
These are non-Christian, the company we just have hired in, you know, to do all that. You know, when they came, those poor guys, they're not even Christians, they were attacked with machetes and, machetes and sticks. Praise God, police showed up as well. And there was a fight going on right there, we should do the crusade. It's like that every time. Welcome to my job. But it's also for sure that when day one starts, I tell you, then it's like the whole spiritual world is kind of just surrendering over. And we had a blast of a crusade. More than 10,000 people responded during the four nights to make Jesus Christ their Savior. Now the faith is so growing in the churches, in, in, in the whole nation, that, that, the, that pastors start to build church buildings before we are coming to do the crusades. They don't have a church there yet. But on an average, 11 new churches is started after every crusade we do in Benin. And the pastors found out of that. So now those who want a new church, they start to build a building there, even before we are coming. It's amazing. God is working every night through miracles and healings, blind see, the deaf hear, the mute speak, crippled are walking. Amazing things is taking place. And he saw it was worth it all. Like never before, people is being saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Like never before, we as a church has been given a mandate to go. Do you realize that in this past decade, more Muslims have converted into Christianity than in the previous 1,400 years of existence of Islam? We live in excited times, exciting times. He saw it was worth it all. I believe the greatest way you and I, we can honor Jesus. The greatest way we can surrender and give us to Him and give praise is by doing the Great Commission. That was what He called every one of us. And don't worry, I'm not on my way to send you all away from Rogers, okay? I'm not tonight going to say, okay, you guys going over there, you go to South America, you go to Europe, you go to Africa, and you take all the rest, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But we are, we are, the greatest way you can honor the cross is by being involved in building the kingdom, in, in, in spreading the gospel, and is, is to make, is to make what Jesus provided for, to make it into reality. That's the greatest way of praise we can do. I believe there's four biblical reasons why every Christian must be obedient to the Great Commission. Number one, Jesus commanded it. Jesus commanded it. Right before as he was to ascend to heaven, after he had been resurrected, and yes, he has met with his disciples, But right before he was to ascend into heaven, not to be with his disciples, at least not physically, with his presence, with his church, 
He gave what I believe is the most, the heartbeat of God to every one of us. He said, unto me all the power in heaven and in earth has been given. Go therefore. So where do we see the power starts to move? I believe it's when we go therefore. Sometimes people is asking me, so how come that you're in these crusades and when you, you're doing what you're doing, how come that you see all those miracles? I say it's because we went there for. It's because we're doing what Jesus' promise is going to be followed with signs and with wonders. We're doing the Great Commission. We're reaching out. We're trying in that way to be obedient and, and giving ourselves totally in obedience to the gospel. In that way to honor God. I'm not a great singer. Praise God for great worship. Praise God for those who's able to sing well and so. I'm kind of more making people run away when I start to sing. But you know, just because I'm not a worship leader or able to play a piano, I can be a great worshiper still. By walking and living and doing the Great Commission. You know, this is what Easter is all about, isn't it? That Jesus, that people, mankind must be redeemed. Must has this, have this, this encounter, this touch from heaven. Do you realize that the only thing of Jesus' teaching, the only thing of his parables and, and so, that is recorded four times, that that's a great commission. Of course, his crucifixion and events in his life is recorded by all the, 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 the gospel writers, okay? But of all his teaching, the only thing that is reported or recorded four times is a great commission. I really think that this is the heart of God. This is what this is what can make Jesus lean back on his throne and say, it was worth it all. We live on, the, on a small town, a very small town in Denmark. We don't have any shops there. There's a gas station, that's all. So if we need to go and, 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 and buy something or so, we, we will have to drive, not far though, but we will have to drive and go to another uh, town that has shops and so. And uh, if I'm saying to Lisbeth, Lisbeth, <clears throat> I need to go to that town and, and do some business and so. And then Lisbeth is saying to me, oh, do you mind, since you're going anyway, do you mind to buy some bread and take with you home? And I would say, of course, sure, no problem, I can do that. And I go out, I start my Toyota, I put it in reverse, I start to to back out the driveway. Do I have my phone with me? Or your phone, honey? No? Okay, that's okay. And then, uh, and then, um, you know, on my way out, Lisbeth is opening the door in the house. It's kind of like doing like this to me. And I, of course, stop. I roll down the window. And then she says this, Oh, now, <clears throat> remember to buy the bread. And I'll say, sure, honey, you know, I never forget anything. I start to go to town. 
When I've been driving five minutes, all of a sudden my phone is ringing. I look at it, it's Lisbeth who's calling. I pick up the phone and say, hello, honey. And she say, hi, honey. And, and I ask, so, any news? You know, it's only five minutes ago I left, but you never know, okay? And she, she says to me then, you know, I'm just calling you just to remind you to buy the bread. I said, sure, I will. And I come to town. I do the, the errands I need to do. And then I get a text message. Now, who do you think that text is from? It's from Lisbeth. I open it up. It just says one word. What do you think that word is? Bread. Four times I was told to bring bread with me home. Now, what do you think will happen if I come home with no bread? Oh, I see several husbands here kind of shaking their heads and don't, don't, don't do that. Like, you know, I did that once. Don't do it, you know. Four times. Jesus the, the gave the, or he, the Great Commission was recorded four times. That the most important thing we can do now because the cross and the salvation part and all of that it is finished, as he said. We can't get more saved. He can't bring more healing. It's all finished. All of heaven is opened up. And we are in this weekend, we are going to pray for every need you might sit with. And believe God to meet it. No matter if you're in addiction, no matter if you're hooked on things, no matter if you're sick in your body, no matter if you have sin, you need to, the blood of Jesus to wash away, no matter what is going on in your spiritual life, no matter what, we're going to pray for every need you might have because it is finished. It is paid for, as one translation is said. It is paid in full. The entire bill is paid for. The entire heaven is open. We cannot kind of say, oh, it's going to be a little bit more, a bit wider, or maybe could he or so. It is all provided for on that Good Friday. That's why we call it a Good Friday. So what is left now is for us as a church to make it a good Friday to as many people as possible. The second reason why we should go uh, and uh, do, uh, be involved in reaching out and be the hands and feet of God on this planet is that the returns of Christ depends on it. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is teaching about the end times. His disciples were, you know, they were passing Jerusalem and, and the temple. And one of them said, man, look at that temple. Isn't it glorious? And Jesus, not impressed at all of our buildings and houses and cars and all the other stuff, great blessings we can have. He just said, you know, this will be all torn apart. And then he starts to give the teaching of the end times. How there shall be famines and earthquakes, war, rumors of war. How everything shall be shaken. And you know, you can, you can hold a lot of scary sermons on that chapter. 
You can really make everybody sitting trembling on their chairs. And yes, I also believe that, you know, we are, we are heading closer to the return of Jesus, okay? Well, Paul believed so that, that he should not even die before Jesus was coming back. And he has missed it with about 2,000 years by now. So I'm not the one who is going to say, you know, in 10 years from now, Jesus is here. I'm not. But let's just admit that there are many of the prophecies that's not at now is at least possible, you know, to be fulfilled. I remember when we were living in Tanzania uh, 30 years ago, isn't it? 25 years ago, living in Tanzania, far out in the bush. We felt God was calling us to go there and help uh, in some mission work. And we had a, a three-year-old boy and a four-month-old daughter. And a man, when we landed there in Nairobi Airport to drive then uh, down to Tanzania and far out there, it was two full days on bumpy dirt roads with, you know, and I think we hit every pothole there. And, you know, we were just going there nonstop for two full days just to reach where we had to stay, you know, to live. And it was like just to go and do banking. It was one full day just to drive to that one little bank that was there. It was far, far, far out in the bush. And, I, you know, we were living... In a, in a mission station in absolutely all right conditions and, and so. But at the same time, you know, when looking around and see all the poverty and there were no roads and there were no internet and there were, I mean, there was nothing. We didn't have a phone or anything. There were nothing. And then you sit and you think, you know, how will that day ever come where like, you know, it's prophesied that nobody will hide and everybody shall see him come. And so in the mid-90s, we could not even imagine that. But now 25 years later, in that same spot, everybody has a smartphone. And is on the internet. And kind of can see what's going on all over the world. And the technology of the world today is truly that, you know, where are we going to hide? Everybody knows. GPS, you know, it's like, is it 20 yards? You know, when you start your phone, if they want, they can spot you within 20 yards, no matter where you are. The newest thing I was told is that even when your phone is shut off, you know, they can, they, if they want, they can sit and hear what's, what you're talking about. It is a bit scary, isn't it? The technology is now there. I believe that for the first time in the history of mankind, we live right now where all the prophecies told, it is possible to see them fulfilled. Now, in Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus is saying something of great interest. He say, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, and then, and then, and then the end will come. You see, it's not Antichrist and all the negative stuff of earthquakes and famines and war and rumors of, of war. That was not really defining when is Jesus coming for his bride. 
what is defining when Jesus is coming back, because I believe when Jesus is coming back, that's the end that will come. Okay? And I'm not so much into, is it pre-tribulation, mid, or, you know, all of that. I'm not into it because I can't have influence on it anyway. I'm, I'm, sim- I'm a simple believer, okay? All right? But Jesus is coming back. And I believe with all my heart that Him coming back, that is the end that is going to explode with whatever that's going to be, okay? Jesus is coming back. But when will Jesus come back? When this gospel of the kingdom is being preached, has been preached as a witness unto all nations. That is what is going on right now, my friends. Many of those really huge missions organizations like Youth with a Mission, um, um, what is it called, uh, World Vision, and those, you know, who's really all over the world, they say, actually, if, if you know, within 10 years we will be able to claim, if we do the job, okay, Within 10 years, we will be able to, to take off and say, you know, we have been to every island now. We have been to every nation. We have been to every tribe, uh, tribal group and, and so on and so on and so on. Amazing. I'm not saying Jesus is coming, you know, in 10 years from now. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that we live in times where the gospel is being reached out like never before. But it's like, when you have you see watch at the Olympic Games, you know, you see this relay. I like to see the relay, you know, and and then you know the three first guys that have been running like chased by a bulldog, you know, have been running around, and then they hand it over to the last guy. You know that last guy is probably the most important guy to run, isn't it? You know what if he just kind of said, ah, oh, ah. We're doing okay. I'll take a cup of coffee. Let's just lean back and enjoy everything. What do you think the three others would do? They'll kind of say, what? What are you saying? What are you doing? We have been running our heart out, you know, and now you just do nothing. You know, I believe that last person to run that relay, you know, he's the most important. He's the one who can finish it all, that everybody will get their medal, you know. The, the gold medal, you know. He is that so important. And I believe that's where we are at as church right now. It's more important than ever that we, we finish the job right now. And then Jesus is coming back. Number four, number three, sorry. The love of Christ compels us, it says. When Paul is, is describing to the church in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, he gives a little hint of why is he willing to do what he's doing? Sitting in prison every now and then, being whipped, you know, going through all those hardships. And then he says, he's teaching about that we as church has the, 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 the call or the ministry of reconciliation. This means to bring people back to God. Not to save them, but bring them to the point where God, you know, gets into their life. He said, that's the job of the church, he said. And then he's giving us a little hint of why he's doing it. He's saying, the love of Christ compels me, he said. There's something in there that I must
just do it. You know what? You have the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of Christ. In us. I believe that that same fire of passion and compassion for the lost should be burning in there. I believe it's very important. If we kind of say, no, well, we will leave Asia can be Asia, Africa can be Africa. We are doing fine, you know. This is all fine. It's not my business, you know. Somebody else must. And, you know, uh, um, if church is just ending up being Sunday morning service because it's so wonderful and, and I can meet friends there, you know, then somehow we have missed it. Then somehow we need God to, to fan our flame again with passion for the gospel, with passion for the lost. And I'm not saying that we should all leave now and go to a new nation to live in and so. You only do that if God is speaking to you, okay? All right? But we must all somehow have a passion for the lost and a compassion for those who don't need, who don't know God. Many years ago, in 1989, it's in the past millennium, God, in a miraculous way, opened up for me to come to Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're familiar with Victory Christian Center, it has to Billy Joe Dorothy. And um, long story short, I ended up there with no money, no English, no contacts, nothing at all. I cannot even explain how it all worked out. It was just like, ding, like this. You know, God, you know, just opened that door. Uh, because I felt God has spoken to me to call me into ministry and, and all of that. And then all of a sudden these doors opened up. And I came over to live here in, in Oklahoma. And it was a powerful time. But not being that great in English. And, you know, everything is new, you know. I was very exhausted after our every day uh, having been sitting um, in school there. And I had my Danish Bible, my English Bible, a concordance, you know, and all kinds. I, I felt like three seats, you know, with books so just to keep up with everything. And sometimes I just had to write it down as I think the, the teacher, you know, how he said it. And then coming home, I would need to find out, so what did he mean when he said that? Okay. So I was very tired and, and often ready to go really early to bed. And one, one night I was just sitting for, you know, being at that point uh, 21 or so years old. Uh, I was, you know, you know, I mean, at least I must keep myself awake to eight, okay? I mean, there's only old folks past 75 that go to bed before 8 a.m., right? You know, so I kind of said, oh, I need to, I need to hang on in here. I was so tired. And then finally it was eight something and I could go to bed. And when I went to bed, you know, not long after, God woke me up just like that. I knew God was there in that little simple house that somebody had just said, that's an extra spare house we have and you can stay in there. By the way, I was told later on, not many years ago, I was told it was the first house that Brother Kenneth Hagen has ever owned. I didn't know that. But, you know, I was, God woke me up that night and, and immediately as I sat up in my bed 
He showed me something that was just as real as we are here. What he showed me, and I was kind of watching it and part of it at the same time. It was a, a vision. And I was standing on a solid, unshakable rock. But as far as I could tell, as far as I could see, there were people. People of all kinds, all backgrounds, all skin colors, from all walks of life, young and old, you know, men and women, all kinds of people. And they were standing there stacked and packed. But they were not standing on a solid rock. They were standing like in sinking sand. And you know, the, more, the harder you try to get out of that, the deeper you sink all the time. And me standing on that rock, of course, everybody could see me. And they were all lifting their hands and trying to get my attention and screaming and yelling. Kind of, please, if you please grab my hand and pull me up on that rock that you are standing on. The despair, the, the horror in their faces, I can still see it. And I knew Jesus. I was shocked. And I knew Jesus was standing right behind me. I never saw him. But what I did was, I said to him, as I was watching all these people, I said, Jesus, you must, you must do something. And then he answered me with his calm, mild voice. He said this, I have done my part. It is you they are calling for. And then it all ended. I jumped out of bed. I fall flat on my face. I said, here I am, send me. No matter where you want me to go, I'm willing to go. No matter if we will be a, a renowned ministry or not, it does not matter at all. Just send me that I can pull as many people as possible up on that solid rock, which is you, Jesus. I have done my part. Wasn't it what Jesus said on that cross? It is finished. It is finished. So now it, been, it has been entrusted, given into the hand of us, the church, to do our part. We cannot save any. We cannot heal any. But you know, we have the right contact who can do so. And I believe that the love of Christ is pushing us or compelling us, you know, forcing us cannot just sit and ignore what other people living without God is in the midst of. You know, it's that vision that drives me every time. I'm not a superhero. I'm not an Indiana Jones-like kind of missionary. I'm not. But the thing that's compelling me, forcing me to keep going, even though it would have been easier just to be home with family. Now we're at a point where the kids has left the nest and Lisbeth can go with me on almost every trip. That's wonderful. But it would have been so much easier just to be at home in our lovely house. 
go to church and have a great life and have a job with a good steady income and, and all of that. It has been, and being on my way to heaven, it would have been so much easier. But there's something in there that just drives me that we must do our part. The love of Christ. The compassion and passion for God and for people. And the fourth and last thing, and then I'll close. The only thing we, from this earth we can bring with us to heaven, that is souls. Our prayers will continue to, to work even when we are not here anymore. Okay? But all we can take from this earth to heaven, that is souls. Other people. Maybe you say, oh, but I'm not a preacher and I'm not good in this and I'm not an evangelist and, and all of that. No, 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 no. But I'm sure you are a witness. You are a witness. A witness is one that just is expected to share about what he witnessed. An evangelist is asking questions. When I preach in our crusade, oh, I ask a lot of questions. So who wants to go to heaven when you die? Are you okay? Are you right with God? Is Jesus your personal Savior? I ask a lot of questions while I'm, I'm preaching. That's an evangelist. But a witness is one who is answering questions, isn't it? All that it takes is that you're willing to share what God has done for you. And it's impossible to discuss this, isn't it? People can discuss, is God existing or not? But they cannot discuss if you say, you know, I was sick, but I was prayed for, and now I'm healed. Or I was, I, I, I was in this and this condition, and then I started to believe in God, and, and I asked Jesus to come, and look how my life has changed. You know, other people can't say, oh, no, 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 that's, uh, you, you didn't experience that. It's impossible. You were a witness. You saw it. You felt it. You did hear it. You are a witness. And in doing so, we can bring people with us to heaven. With whatever God has gifted you with, whatever He has entrusted you or blessed you with is all something that somehow can be a channel to bring souls to heaven. Your prayers, your time, your smile, your little words, that little greeting, your finances, your, your whatever you have, your talents, they can all be used in the big machine that evangelism and reaching the world really is. That's why we are all needed. There's a great evangelist. Actually, it's his 79th year's birthday today. His name is Reinhard Bonnke. I don't know if you have heard of him. Just a great man of God, a great example. And he said this. You know, we got saved to live on a rescue boat. Not a cruise ship. Not a cruise ship. We're on a battleship. 
we're on a rescue boat. We live really close to the North, North Atlantic Ocean. We see how in the old days, especially the every little you know, village or town there at the, at, the, at the seashore had their own little rescue boat. And often it's marked on that house where it is. Those who gave their life, as they went out in the deepest storms, the most heavy storms, but somebody was in great need, so they had to go. And many of them never came back. They rescued others, but they lost their own life. Now they're being honored because they were willing to go and do so. I believe, as I said, the greatest way we can worship God is to make to work on Isaiah 53, verse 11, I believe it was, wasn't it? That we will make Jesus look at us, as us as a church, as on his body and see that he will say, oh, it was worth it all. It was worth it all. Tonight was about the heartbeat of God. Tomorrow, we'll have another focus. It will not be on mission and not so much on that. But tonight, I believe it's a night where God will refresh us in that calling He has called us for. As we sit and we celebrate Easter, and we will have great food and a great family time and, and all of that. Let's look back and be rejoicing in what Jesus did on the cross. And Sunday morning as He's resurrected, that it is counting today. You see, if Jesus died on that cross but did not resurrect, it would not have been counting today. But because it's counting today as well, then it's like he has played it over in our hands to move onward with the victory of the cross. Shall we close our eyes? Can I have the worship band to please come and, and help me? Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you. Thank you for will, you being willing to go on that cross. Thank you for being willing to pay for all my sins and all our sins. For redeeming us. For opening up heaven for us. That we now, today, can live in your grace and your mercy. And have you in our spirit and be in relationship with you. And all the things that comes with that cross. We thank you for it. And Lord, we are here tonight. And we have been focusing, talking, sharing about this. That, that now we must move on. That we will be part of those who is, who is obedient to your, to your um, uh, great commission. And, and some of those, among those that when you see our lives, that you, you are pleased. And you see, oh, it's worth it all. Lord, that's our prayer. I thank you for every person here, for whatever gifting, for anything you have equipped every person with, all of it. Oh, Lord, help us 
not to live a, a good life but to live a life where we are fulfilling the race that you have put before us we give you thanks and we give you praise we thank you Jesus for the cross for the victory with our eyes closed and our head bowed I'm an evangelist there's one thing I must do in every service I'm holding whether it is in Arkansas or it is in Asia whether it's in a crusade in a remote place I always have to give the opportunity that if there should be one person here that has not yet received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then you must do it tonight. If Jesus is not your Savior, then you live a life in great, great risk. Risk of missing all eternity. Only Jesus can bring you back to God. Maybe you say, oh yeah, yeah, I believe there is a God, but but this Jesus, I'm not, I'm not sure. You know what? It is Jesus and Jesus only that can bring you back to God. He's the only one who can, who has the key to open up heaven for you. And if you and I, we sat down and I was asking you this question, is Jesus your personal Savior? What would you say to me? Would you say, oh, yes, he is. And you could start to share your story. Or would you say, He's not. I've never made that decision. Or would you say, I don't know. I don't really know. You know, tonight is a great opportunity for you. Maybe Jesus is already your Savior. It's just wonderful then. But if you say, pray for me, I need Jesus to become my Savior. Will you then lift your hand right where you're seated right now? And then we will pray together with you. Is there anyone before we close and we go on and minister? Is there anybody who say, I need to make that decision tonight? And lift your hand right now. All right. I assume that you are all followers of Jesus then. Tomorrow, take an extended time to, to pray and minister for every individual person in whatever need you might have. But tonight as we are going to close, maybe you say to me, I want to rededicate myself being available for the Great Commission. Being available to fulfill the job in whatever God is, is using me for tonight the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you that you must you must get on the field I didn't say get out of righteous but you must get on the field and be that witness or start to to do the, the work of the ministry that God has asked or called you or equipped you to do as we close with one more prayer if that is you will you please put your hand on your heart right now 
that way rededicating yourself and say God here I am use me use me in whatever you need to be done and put your hand on your heart right now as I'm closing with a word of prayer Lord Jesus Christ I thank you for trusting us the most precious you have the gospel the message about Jesus Christ and what he did on that cross and here we are you see our hearts you see how we we devote we give ourselves again and say here I am use me send me whether it is as a prayer warrior or it is to be going somewhere to somebody or whatever Lord here I am send me I thank you Jesus We are here to worship you with our lives and help us in doing so, in playing our part in the Great Commission. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you know of somebody who is in need of Jesus or somebody who is sick in, in their body or having a need of some kind, Bring them tomorrow and Sunday morning, will you? And we'll believe that God is going to touch their lives and is going to do something great in their lives. Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening so careful. Visit us at the table in the lobby. See you tomorrow. And uh, God bless you. This message has been brought to you by Faith Builders Family Church. To learn more, please visit our website, www.faithbuilderschurch.net.